Welcome back to episode 185 of the Compound Podcast, brought to you by Parse Rum, my favorite rum, your favorite rum, Parse Rum, the rum uh, that you can go to Benny's and get, or you can go to your local liquor store and ask about Parse. Case, you ever get into the rum? You ever dabble in the rum? I was never, never a big rum guy, Happer. No, more, we more, got, we got more into- Tito's. You guys, it sounds like you guys got a lot of rum going on for this we, show. We got into the rum. It's uh it's good rum. It's like drinking bourbon. Eight year, twelve year, parse rum. We have a special guest this week, Sean Casey. Sean, I mean, I'm trying to think where I should start with your resume, but <laughs> career three hundred hitter in the big leagues, former Yankees hitting coach recently. Case and I met when I was fifteen years old in fifteen. Uh, yep. Yeah, fifteen in Pittsburgh. We grew where I grew up was fifteen minutes from where Case grew up. <laughs> And Case was living in Pittsburgh. Uh, and one of the first times I met him, he came into the cages and I was hitting and it's like, Case, I'm hitting off the tee. And he comes in. And he's like, yeah, this is what I used to feel. He's in flip flops and cargo shorts and just starts hitting backside line drives. <laughs> and he's probably net. someone you listen like, to oh. right away. Hap. He's like, yep. I was like, this is what it looks like. Uh, but. I remember we've, that we've been friends. Oh, it was amazing. We've been <laughs> friends for a long time. Case helped mentor me through college and uh, and pro ball and appreciate everything. But we'll get to talk some baseball today. Rap about it a little bit. Love it. Love it. Yeah, Happer, it's incredible, man, to see what you've been doing in the big leagues and just your journey through Cincinnati. Now you're winning gold gloves in the big leagues two times now, going to all-star games. Like it, it honestly blows my mind when I think back to first time seeing you in that cage. And I was like, you were the only dude there the one night. And you were doing stuff like, you know, the stuff that usually like a 15-year-old wouldn't be doing. I was like, who's this guy? Like, <laughs> Ian Happ, pretty good, you know, good stick, you know, shortstop, good athlete. And then here we are again. Now I'm on your podcast. <laughs> shortstop, yeah, short huh? Yeah, I could pick it back in the day. I believe it. I believe it. you got gold. Happer, you've been uh, promising Casey to us for a while now. So know, long time. I'm happy we could find him. He he has said it for at least a year now. If you get Sean Casey anytime, and we're like, all right, like you're in charge, man. You tell us. So I'm glad I we did, can make I, it happen. I went. Well, I wanted to save Casey. Is such a good guess. I wanted to save him. Yeah. First off season. First uh, Case, interview of the off season. Can you talk to us just about? like how the Yankees hitting coach stuff came about when you, when that was announced over the all-star break, I texted Riz immediately and it was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Was it just did Booney call you up? Was it just kind of out of the blue? Yeah, it was, it was uh well, Booney had called me before the season started asked if I could come on uh, as the hitting coach there. Like I think the assistant hitting coach at the time, but had so much going on. My fiance at the time was now my wife had just had just been diagnosed with cancer. So we kind of grind, you know, I knew it was going to be like a six month grind, seven month grind through that. And a couple other things were going on. So it just wasn't the right time Happer. You know what I mean? And I know, I know what, I know the deal of the grind that you guys are in. And I remember, <laughs> I do not forget. So I know what that would entail. So didn't think much of it. Boom. You know, the year's going on. As a matter of fact, I was seeing my son, Jake in the Cape. I go out to see Jake in the Cape. He's playing in Orleans. Coming back, we're in Newark Airport, get a call from Booney. I had just posted something on my Instagram that, you know, that Sarah um, was was cancer-free. And I was like, let's go, you know. So Booney calls. He's like, hey, dude, I see Sarah's cancer-free. Cancer free. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, incredible, good stuff. He's like, hey, Chip, you want to be the hitting coach for the Yankees in the second half? I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. And it was right around that time, you know, we're just trying to figure out what was going on with, 
you know, that cat, if cash was going to make a move, you know, a cash, they had kind of had that conversation. And then, you know, next thing I know, I, I, you know, I was, I thought about it. I talked to my daughters, you know, talked to Sarah and, you know, the fact that it was a two and a half month, you know, obligation and it was the Yankees and just a chance to get back in the game and back in the arena. It was just an incredible opportunity. So I took it. I was going to ask that. That has to be hard to say no to when it's like, it's the New York Yankees. You know what I mean? Like that's like the peak of baseball. Like they're the team. That was the thing. I was like incredible opportunity. Yeah. The fact that it was the Yankees, it was like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely doing it. You know, I, and I think, you know, you guys know, I mean, playing ball, like, even when you're in the big leagues and whoever you're playing for, you always think about playing, you know, you want to play for Boston. You want to play for New York. You want to play for Chicago. You know what I mean? You, there's a couple teams that are like, man, that'd be cool to cross that, cross that off. I got to play for Boston my last year in the big leagues in 08. And, uh, and then I got, and then having the opportunity, I never thought I have the opportunity to win the pinstripe, wear the pinstripes. So that was a big part of it. The fact that it was the Yankees and, and, you know, Judgy and those guys and getting a chance to be the hitting coach for them. And, you know, and Aaron Boone's one of my best buddies. You know, we, we, we played together for six years in Cincy. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've, we've stayed in touch over these years. So it was nice to be in the dugout with him. So just a perfect storm of awesomeness to, uh, to do it. It's got to be tough getting kind of thrown into that team. Because when you got there, I mean, they were – was Judge hurt at the time? Like, I feel like there was a bunch of injuries and you were kind of thrown in with, like, a bunch of young guys. So how was that going in yeah. and like having all the young prospects? Yeah, hey, hey, go on? get them. Go get them. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, you're missing our three, you. four, five of the lineup. Yeah. Uh, help us out. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it was, you know, obviously, and you know, we, we were opening up in Colorado. So I took the flight out there and yeah, I think, you know, judge means so much to that lineup. I mean, he really does. I mean, when he's not in that lineup, it's, it's he, he's that good of a player. What's incredible is I've played with some great players like, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. and David Ortiz and Gary Sheffield, and a lot of, a lot of great players, Manny Ramirez. Um, but judgy, man, he was, he's up there with those guys that just an elite guy. So I didn't realize how much he meant to that lineup until we, you know, we had him back. Cause the first couple of weeks I was there, he wasn't, he wasn't healthy. Um, and then he eventually came back and obviously we, we, we were a different ball club with him, but it, it did give me a chance to kind of, you know, hit the ground running. I think one of the things that was, you know, I've been out of the game for a few, you know, obviously 15 years, but you know, I think one of the things was, uh, you know, I, I just, I feel like I was ready to be there. You know what I mean? All this, even all the stuff we do at MLB network with the analytics and understanding that part of the game, but also doing demos all the time where you're always breaking down swings or staying on top of things. So I think the biggest thing though, being the hitting coach is you got to earn the trust of the guys. I just, I tried to put myself back to when I was playing, like the guys that I love the best, like some of those guys, I remember Dave Magadan, uh, when I was in Boston was like, Hey, listen, you know, first, the first day of spring training, he's like, give me, give me the two things you do well when you're going great, when you're going great, what are you doing? And when you're not going great, what are the two things, two or three things that you're not doing well? And I, I, I love that, you know, because it really allowed us, uh, me as a hitter to, to, you know, he would come to me when I was struggling or, or if nothing was, if he didn't need to talk to me, it was all good. So I was trying to ride that fine line coming in as the Yankee hitting coach. Just, I got to earn these guys trust before anything, before I tell anybody about their swing, about their approach, I got to really earn their trust and let them know that I'm here to serve these guys and I'm in it for them. I'm sure it was so hard too, because in spring training, you develop so many relationships. You see how guys work, you see how they tick and you didn't have that. Like you're going right after the all-star break. You're, I mean, guys are either in really good spots, they're in okay spots, and 
or they're in the gutter where they're crying for help. And that's so hard to, like you said, like, I'm not going to go in there and just step on toes and be like, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. And you have no dialogue with these guys. Like that's such a hard task to even to do in spring training, like let alone when shit matters. Like that's, that's hard. Right. No, it was. I think that it was the hard part is like, you're right. It's like, I didn't know anybody. You know, I, I mean, I knew a couple of, I knew Riz. Right. No, no one, no one Riz helped me a ton because yeah. Riz is one of the leaders in the clubhouse. And so when I came in, you know, and, and one of the things when I first got the job, uh, Riz, when it was, uh, I think Booney, Booney called, uh, called Riz and Judgy and, uh, and Riz called me and they were having dinner. Like this is before I, you know, went out to Colorado. And so having that conversation with Judgy and Riz at dinner on the all-star break helped me a lot coming into, you know, coming into uh, Colorado, but you're right. I, I didn't really know anybody. And I think one of the, you know, thank God for like, you know, looking, you know, thinking about my personality and, and the gift of gab, being able to like approach guys and talk to guys and be genuine with them. But you're right. It, it took it. T- you know, when I look back at that job, it took a few weeks to really get to know everybody and, and know how they, how they tick. How tough was it to, you mentioned it a second ago, like, analytics now obviously like runs baseball like everyone's like oh how analytic can we get like back when you played it wasn't like that it was literally just like hey man like hit the ball like it wasn't like oh you're BABIP and all these other advanced stats so like how was that adjusting to that part of the game versus just you know hitting the baseball well I think one of the things when 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 I look back we did have some analytics like they would still give you a packet of, Hey, yeah. this guy. And, you know, and it, at the end of my career was when the video was really becoming prevalent. Like, not like you guys have, but like, you know, when I started to, you know, come in, I could, I could look at the lefty coming in. I could see what percentage did he throw first pitch strikes? What was he going to try and wipe me out with? What did he throw to me with runners in scoring position? So we had stuff like that. You know, I think the analytics, one thing about the analytics is, Hey, there, it can really help. I mean, there, there's so much analytics now that it can really help, but I think you have to deliver the analytics in a way you have to know what guys want. What are they looking for? Certain, you know, certain guys want these things, you know, judge, might want this Rizzo might want this Stanton wants this Volpe wants this. So it was getting the information and with the Yankees, they had so many good guys uh, in that role that could really help me put the game plan together for like the hitters meetings and stuff. But I do think when it comes down to it, the human element of hitting is so different. I think as a pitcher, you're the generator. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. you can, you, you got the ball in your hands, right? So someone could, someone can take you to a lab and go, Hey man, turn your hands like this a little bit. We want to get more spin here. You know, maybe you can, you know, when you get it out here a little more, you can cut it. You know, you're the generator. I think one thing with hitting is you're the reactor, right? Like you still have to like, get great with your process. You have to be able to really slow down. You have to be able to see the ball deep and late. You have to be able to, you know, get the bat head out where you want to get it. Um, you got to hunt your process. If it's hunt the fastball, push a guy out. If he, if, if you don't like the ball in, look middle away. So I think a big thing with being the hitting coach still, it, it, that still is timeless, is you better have a great process up here because these guys are sharks, man. And you guys are the one percenters and they're the one percenters on the mound and it's the best in the world. Like you better be tight every pitch and make sure you have a process as a human being. So have the analytics, let that, let that drive maybe some of your process, but at the end of the day, you still got to compete and, 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 you know, lock it, lock it in. For sure. We'll get you right back to Sean Casey talking with the guys in just a second, but first, There's so much to be thankful for this holiday season. 
family, friends, food, and NFL football. There's action all week long, and you can use the DraftKings Sportsbook to keep up. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL to score $150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they've got it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code COMPOUND. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and score $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code COMPOUND. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort KFs, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. All right, let's get you guys back to Sean Casey. Case, I like the way you talk about analytics as like game prep. Like you use the analytics, you use a percentage just for how you're going to get pitched when you're going to see certain pitches, what you can sit on maybe to formulate your plan. But those analytics aren't driving the way that you're swinging the bat or you're not trying to hit the ball in the air more because, you know, the analytics say that that's how you're going to succeed. When you're in the box as the hitter, you need to be an absolute mental badass. Like you need to have consistent belief in yourself and you have to think through you know, how am I going to get myself in position to react to whatever my plan is? And like, that's what I've always valued so much about the way you talk about hitting is yeah. it's about being a dude in the box and having that confidence in yourself. Because I think what gets lost in the analytics part of it is as soon as you lose confidence in yourself, everything goes to shit. Yeah. I mean, you're happy. You're right. And we've, we've talked for years about that. You know, I believe, you know, when you get in the batting cage, when you're there by yourself or you're going through your swing, that's the confidence cage. Like, I got to get in there and know, I got to get in there and, and know what my swing feels like. I got to get in there. One thing I loved about these guys in the big leagues that I've kind of forgot about is, man, these guys work. You guys work, man. They're looking for feels, looking for feels all the time and routines and, and, and trying to keep the routines day in and day out, you know, and, and, and I really, I really admire that. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, you got to believe in yourself day in and day out because this game is such a game of failure and it'll rip your heart out and it'll rip your heart. You know, you're the greatest player in the world one day. And guess what? You got to play tomorrow night. And now you're the biggest piece of crap in the freaking world. You know, it's just the way it is. So like your self-talk has to be impeccable. How you think about yourself has to be impeccable. You have to make sure that like you're going one pitch at a time and that you're at present moment, as opposed to if you're, if you've had a couple bad at bats, that can't matter. And one thing I, one thing you realize too is, 
you know, 95, the, the stats are incredible of 95% of guys that are, that get drafted, don't play a day in the big leagues. Right. So, and then 5% of that 5%, 17% of those guys play 10 years or more. So, you know, already that the guys that are up there, they don't necessarily need me telling them, Hey man, get your elbow up or, you know, be like, get your man, want to see a good leg kick here and stuff like that. I think it's more sometimes like, Hey, you got to slow down. Hey, you got this guy's this guy's throwing you pitches in and you're still trying to go middle away. You got to get the bat head out. Hey, man, this guy's busting you in to open up outside. Why don't you give him the inside part of the plate and start pushing him out and look for something out there? Hey, you're facing Tyler Glass now. You better get him early because if you don't get him early, you're going to get that 12 six hook and you're going to be out of here. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I think at this level, one thing I learned is like it's more about that stuff than it is, you know, any number that you could give a guy. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I like when you're facing aces, right? You know, there's always that like, we we want to drive his pitch count up to get him out of the game. And it's like, yeah, we would love to do that. We'd love <laughs> to have three guys go up there and have twelve pitch at bats. But this guy's also disgusting, and he's gonna throw you strike one, strike two, and then you're battling for your life. Right? Hey, this against- guy leads. Yeah, leads the league in strikeouts, but. You know, hey, let's let's see, let's get deep into count. Why? <laughs> what? What? Let's see yeah. some pitches. Yeah. So I'm down. How, how do you score? How pitch. do you score against elite pitching? <laughs> right. You hit homers yeah. on heaters. <laughs> the challenge heaters, you deposit them, and you might get two of those a game. The rest of the time, you're going to be battling for your life. You're not getting three hits in a row off the, you know, Burns and Garrett Coles and Glassnows right. of the world. But yeah, you're is, hoping you're hoping to get a bloop and a blast. You're hoping to get a walk. And a, and a blast, you're right. You, you, you get those guys usually by the long ball. Yeah, you're not going to string together three or four hits in a row. Right. I mean, I mean, you could. Don't get me like you absolutely could, but odds are against you. Like yeah. you were saying, the game, the game is <laughs> so much failure. And like what you said, when these pitchers are manipulating pitches the way they are and right. they have all the control, I mean, our back is against the wall as soon as you're walking up to the plate. It yeah. truly is. Yeah. No, it's really, and what that's one thing I've noticed too. Like, you know, even watching, even watching, you know, how the catchers set up nowadays. I mean, it looks like they set up right down the middle. I'm like, what are these guys doing? They're set yeah. up right down the middle. These pitchers are trying to tunnel pitches. They're throwing it right in that same spot. This thing is just wham, wham, wham. You know, so I mean, it is. It, it's incredible. Like that's what I mean. To be a to be a great hitter in the big leagues nowadays, you know, you 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 got to make sure you're locked in every pitch. That that's interesting. Were you ever sitting there or like looking at a guy before? And, you know, thinking back to when you played where you're just like, is, is it different now? Like what this, what these guys are bringing, what they're throwing, how they're throwing it. Or is there, was it like, was there a few moments where you're just sitting back and like you get, okay. So say you get to watch Garrett Cole every fifth day. Mm-hmm. Are you just sitting back? Like, I mean, this guy's throwing 96 to 99 every single time he goes out there and is throwing six to seven shutout innings. Yeah, and yeah. it is just Hit it, I fucking dare you. <laughs> right. No, it's true. And you know what? I mean, I played with some good – like, I play, got a chance to play with Verlander's couple, first couple years in Detroit, so I saw some th- absolute thunder yeah. there. And, 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 like, seeing Verlander's relationship with Cole was so cool because I watched Cole pitch. I'm like, wow, pitch so much like Verlander. It's yeah. a great, And his preparation was incredible. Like, watching Garrett prepare for a game, I was like – these guys have no chance. Like he's got his earphones on. He's got his, uh, I, he's got his iPad out. He's literally try. I can see him charting every guy. And, and he's a guy too, Zach, that like, you know, he, you know, a lot of time pitchers in, in the big leagues, they're going to pitch at their strengths because they're, they're not going to get beat with their weaknesses. 
Well, Garrett Cole is one of those guys, you know, those that rarefied air guy that he can actually pitch to his strengths when he wants to, and he can pitch to your weakness all day long because he's so good. He's, you know, he's got five pitches that he, he reminded me of Roy Halladay. When I, I remember facing Roy Halladay, you know, you, you'd come up first at bat against Doc, and he would throw you a freaking cutter, cutter change, and you'd be like, oh my God, like, he gone. And then you come up the next time, slider, two seamer, four seamer. And then the next at bat, you come up and he's just hasn't pitched me the same way. And he's exploiting me. He's completely exploiting me. And then when I hit the ball, it's like, it's coming off my bat, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and my bats. And I'm like, when I look at Garrett Cole, I, I just remind me of Doc Holiday. Like just could, it was exploiting people. He was hitting their weaknesses. And then when he did wipe you out, he'd go to that top rail heater at 99 and see you later. So yeah, it was, it was impressive. And the one thing about, you know, I was trying to figure out what the biggest difference is now. I'd say I'd say definitely the middle relievers throw harder because, you know, when you look back when I played, I still think the closures and the late, maybe the gap guys still threw hard. You know, the velo is definitely up, no doubt about it. I do think guys in my era pitched a little more. You know what I mean? I think yeah. now guys are more throwers, and that's what we're saying about the catcher sets the up catchers, down the catchers, yeah, exactly. They're setting up down the middle, right. But here it is. I don't necessarily know what it's doing, but wham, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, but definitely, man, there's definitely some, some big arms out there. No doubt. Well, guys now, guys now are throwing 98 to hundred with a ride four seam that they just say, throw it down the middle. Like they can't hit it anyway. Just go right at them. So it's, it's yeah, become yeah. a lot simpler <laughs> for those later inning guys. Hey, so when you were playing, when you were facing high velo guys and guys that had that fastball that felt like it really jumped or exploded over your barrel, what was, what were your keys? Like, how did you think about handling those guys? You know, I think the big guys with, with velo, I just really, really, I try to stay on top with those guys, you know, make sure that I was on top of the ball, make sure that my vision, you know, that I could cover, you know, I wasn't looking to swing at it, but I was looking if I could, if I could, you know, cover the pitch at my chest down with a guy on velo, I felt like, you know, I was going to try and try and really, you know, backspin it and stay on top of them. Cause I felt like if, if I, you know, kind of would slide, you know, stay behind the ball too much. I felt like those, I couldn't get to those guys. So I would just really try almost, you know, I know people don't like to say it, but I almost feel like I was trying to get, you know, up on it a little bit with guys with good velo. Do you feel like you were trying to hit it to right center or because I, one of the things that we hear sometimes or I've heard in the past is like guys throwing really hard, you know, you try to just really stay on them and shoot them to left center. And I've always found that like, when you try to do that, you're late, like you're late and you're under it and it's either right. going to the back or you're, yeah. yeah or you're not going to catch it. And so like, like trying to feel like you're on top and almost like out front. And like, yeah. if I'm going to clip this guy, I'm going to clip him to right center. When I'm yeah. lefty. Yeah. Is that Happer? Is that how you would look at it? With the, with the That's kind of how I had to start to look at it. And I, you know, I would always early in my career, I would always try to look for that ball kind of like, all right, this guy's throwing hard. I'm not going to hit it if it's up in the zone. So I would try to push him down and look like, but if you throw his one middle or at my knees, like I'm going to handle it. Right. That didn't work. Just swung through everything. So <laughs> then I had to, like you were saying, I had to try to set the top of the zone where it's right. like, all right, that ball at the top, I can at least foul off. Now, if my sights are there, anything below that, yes. I feel like I can handle. And it made me feel like that feeling of being on top of the ball, but really trying to be kind of out front 
but setting my sights at the top of the zone. And that let me actually start to take pitches that were up as opposed to swinging at everything. And that was one of the best. hardest things early in my career. That's the best is like when you know a guy is going to throw, like if you're facing Garrett Cole and you're like, listen, if this shit's above my belt at all, I really have to do my best just to not swing because that's the pitch that he wants to get me. It's so hard to get on plane with that pitch. Like you said, Dakota, it's like rising and it's at 98 with the fuck you command, like, you know, and if you can kind of push him down Ian, like you were saying, I mean, odds are still stacked against you, but you're going to have an easier time opposed to like, I get caught when I'm hitting like what you said, Ian, like, Ooh, but if I go, if I get this down, I'll be able to do some damage, but you're almost playing defense at that. Like you have to almost going in there defending yourself at the, at the bottom of the zone. Like, you're going to be able to handle that pitch, but I have to be able to push him down and have my sights a little bit higher. Right. Yeah. It's almost like starting your sights in the spot where anything below this, I'm going to swing and anything above it, I'm going to take because when you push it down, now there's a window above where you want to swing at. There's a window below where you want to swing at and your decisions get late. Whereas like, if I set my top, anything below that I can fire at, that was something that let me be, you know, more on time for those pitches. But I think that's, one of the hardest parts of the game. You're hoping to get out of there with one. I'm like, if I could get out of here with Roy Holiday, one for four, I'm like, oh, that's like five yeah. for five. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, just get yeah. me one. Even if you jam me and I could bloop one. I remember facing Mario Rivera a few times. Like, I was looking cutter. You know, the thing almost hit me a few times. I remember blooping one to left. I'm like, that's a complete victory. You know what I mean? That's, and, a, that's a victory. Uh-huh. And, like, you're not chasing hits, but if you get a hit off of somebody like that, you're st- no matter what, no matter what yeah. the hit is, you're standing on first base, like you're like, all right, I got some swag. And then your next A B, you're you're a little bit freed up. And again, like you said, one for four sometimes feels like five for five. That is such a fucking fact. <laughs> it's a fact right that's there. A, that's of- how you that's how you put together a great season. Like I remember talking to Votto a few years ago about Lester. Going like, what's your you know, what's your approach against Johnny? Like, is he a tough A B for you left on left? It's like, yeah, a dude's brutal for me you know he's starting cutters out of my and joey didn't really like stuff it started at him and came back towards the plate like front hip sinkers he didn't like you know that cutter from john that he would start at his front hip and (laughs) go over the plate he didn't like it he was like for me you know if i get out of there over two with a couple of walks over two with a walk you know one for three with a walk like that's a great day and to hear like one of the best hitters in the game framing it as you know that guy one for three one for four getting a walk like those are victories like that's how you put together a full season i always learned that from riz talking to guys like Votto. like that's how you put together full seasons you're not not going to go four four against this guy but i'm going to learn every at bat i'm going to walk out of there with one yeah uh, and that's going to be a victory that's how happer that's how you the 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 reason you you have houses in a couple places that's the (laughs) reason i have two houses on the same street (laughs) that's the reason you navigate the nasty guys you over three with a walk is a hey that's a great day too one for four you know savage you know salvage day but you make your living off the the three four fives you know you make your money off the three four fives that's the bottom line so like I know you want to get two or three hits off the ones, but the ones and twos, you got to just grind, you know, to get a hit, to get on base, to do something. And then you make your living off three, four, five. There might be, there might be a one you see really good. Like I remember Riz talking about a couple of dudes who were just nasty, like aces. He'd be like, I got this guy. I raked this dude because he had had some success against him early in his career. And like that guy would come in, pitch at Wrigley. He'd be like, I fucking rake this guy, no problem. And he would go out and get three hits, and you'd just be like, oh, my God. But then there would be some guy who was a four, you know, that you just don't see well, you don't have success against, and that's the guy that you're going to grind 
it out against. But that is like, that's how you, I think with young hitters case, I don't know if you had this experience at all talking to young hitters now, but when young hitters come up to the big leagues, they've had so much success and they've been able to hit everybody at every level. And so that like learning to go through the process like that and be okay with a one for four, you know, I've had some conversations over the last couple of years where it's like, Hey man, you can't get mad about going one for four in the big leagues because you're going to dig yourself right into a hole. Like you go one for four, you go over three with a walk. Like that day builds onto the next day when you were going to get two hits. But if you get pissed off every time you go one for four, one for five in the big leagues, now that I stink, that negative mindset, you know what you were talking about earlier, that negative mindset starts to creep in. And that's when the over five start to come in bunches. And also too, on the, on that same note, happers, like, I remember coming up sometimes being two for two and be like, oh man, it's going to be a great day. Then I'm two for four because I kind of like slide a little mentally. And then that 0 for four is there tomorrow. Now I'm two for eight. Instead of the day, like getting a little greedy, I'm two for two. Oh, I'm going to grind for three for three, three for four, you know, four for four. Cause I know that 0 for four is right around the corner, you know, and that's how you kind of average things out. You know, you play the, play that mental game with yourself. Like, no, 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 don't waste this day. Cause you're two for two. Like, be greedy. Get that four for four if you can. Three for four. I love that. Get greedy. Oh, that's great. Guys, we're going to take a timeout from talking to Sean Casey to talk about our friends at HelloFresh. The holidays are right around the corner, and HelloFresh can help take the stress out of dinner by delivering everything you need to cook up tasty meals right to your door, saving you tons of time. The holiday season can be hectic, and that's where HelloFresh and their 15-minute meals come in. They're quick fixes that can help you get a wholesome meal on the table in less time than you can use one of those delivery apps. Everyone wants to cut back on errands and spending time in checkout lines, so skip the grocery score, skip the delivery apps, and get fresh, delicious ingredients delivered with HelloFresh. Just pick your meals, decide on a delivery date, and sit back and relax. The most wonderful time of the year is also the most delicious. Enjoy every bite of the holiday season with HelloFresh. Choose from over 45 weekly recipes and over 100 curated picks from the HelloFresh market. Guys, you've heard Ian and the guys talk about how much they love HelloFresh. It's a great product. They use it and you should too. Go to HelloFresh.com slash compound free and use compound free for a free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while that subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life. I mean, breakfast for life, guys? The most important meal of your day for life? HelloFresh.com slash compound free. I'm just making sure that's what they said. That's an unbelievable deal. HelloFresh.com slash compound free with code compound free and start using America's number one meal kit today. Case, how much time did you spend with guys talking about like the mental side versus the physical side? Oh man, I think that I think I think uh, you know that's that's uh, that's the one of the biggest parts of it. You know, is is talking a lot, a lot. You know, because you guys know, and I knew as a player, man, like you just want to have somebody in your corner. You want to have somebody know that when you're in that batter's box, you can look in the dugout and go, "That guy's got my back. That guy's been there before. That guy knows what it feels like to really struggle and suck." Or that guy knows what it feels like to be grinding and like, so I, I was, you know, I think one of the things was, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted the guys uh, the, to feel like they knew when they were in the box, like I was on the top step and I was in it with them, you know, every pitch. And it's, 
it's so funny how the mental shift can clean up the physical like this the swing and it's so hard to see like i stunk for two months this year i stunk and i was still walking but i wasn't getting any hits wasn't hitting for any power and every time we look at the video it's like yeah it looks good well it feels like shit okay it feels horrible tell me something don't tell me it looks good because i haven't got it in two months yeah but when you get a little bit of confidence, you know, you get that one good, you're talking about looking for feels in the cage and stuff. Like once you get that one good feel, one little bit of confidence, like then it all clicks and you go, what What are you doing? Oh, I move. I, I really feel like there's some pressure in my back knee now. I'm really, it's like, what, the, what are you talking about? Like, that's a nothing move. Like my big toe feels good today. It's yeah. like, there. it's a nothing thing, but you give yourself that little bit of confidence and then you'll see guys go off. But that it really is like, it's all of, the swings in the big leagues for the most part are really good. Oh, but the guys, the guys that are confident day in and day out. And like yeah. you said, go in with that approach of like, I'm the best player in the world. I'm going to, it's a one-on-one competition between me and the pitcher. And I'm going to kick this dude's ass for five at bats today. Like those dudes that can do that every single day are the guys that hit at a high level in the big leagues. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I, I remember back in 2000, I just come off a big year, 99, hit like 330, 25 pumps. So drove in a hundred, right around a hundred. I, I, you know, and I remember coming in the next year at 2000 and, and this is, and I remember my approach being hunt to here, look middle way, react in, but my confidence was at such a huge level, right? I remember coming in 2000 and I, and I remember, honestly, I was so young. I was like 25 years old. I got in the box of spring training. I just thought, oh man, I rake, you know, next, you know, I'm hitting a buck 60 in spring. I'm like, Holy shit, where, what happened to my swing? Like, I suck. I come in, I, you know, I end up having the worst first half ever. I, I can't hit the ball out of the park. I can't even get hits. And I'm thinking, I'm about to get sent down. I went from one, being one of the best players in baseball to being sent down. And I remember talking to a guy that, uh, my hitting coach back here in Bethel Park, Frank Porco. I remember calling him. I drove home. I drove home one night. You know, one of the, the hitting coach for the Reds kept telling me, man, your, your swing looks great. I'm like, Tell me something else that my swing looks right. I'm hitting 205 and I have no power. I'm, I don't know what's going on. So I remember going home. I brought the VHS tapes, boys, which I, you know, you guys don't know how the VHS tapes. I put in the tapes. First thing he says to me, Oh my gosh, look how tense you are. You're so tense. Let's try and slow down. So I was in the cage that night. I never forget it was a Sunday night. I, I, I got there after a game. The cage is right right from Cincinnati to the cages in Bethel Park at 10 o'clock. And I started just working on getting a breath and slowing down and just boom, really getting my vision going, hit, boom, boom, boom. I came back that I hit Sunday, Monday, we had a a Tuesday night, a Tuesday night, I go three for four against the Cardinals. And I don't, I think I hit close to 390 in the second half. I was, I led baseball in hitting three, 385, 390, 16 pumps, drove in 65 runs. I was one of the best players in the game. And when I look back at that, it wasn't, hey, man. Well, no, because I was so tense. I was casting my hands out, pulling them back in, right? And, and so I was doing some things mechanically. But me just slowing down and, like, getting relaxed cleaned up so much. And I went on a tear. And it was the, as soon as I went and started going on a tear, the confidence went through the roof. And I remember thinking, I can't waste another pitch. I literally can't waste. I've wasted so many pitches in this first half. I can't waste another pitch. And like, that's what I mean, Happer. Like sometimes it's a feel and maybe it's not even mechanical as it is like, man, when you start to struggle, confidence goes way down. When confidence goes way down, 
tension goes way up. When tension goes way up, vision goes out the door. When vision goes out the door, it's a freaking tough game to play. And and some and a coach could have told you, hey man, you're casting, you know, your hands are going out, you're casting, and you would have said, Okay, I'll fix it. And you would have tried really hard, but right. it wouldn't have fixed the problem. It, it wouldn't have made you still would have gone as soon as the pitch was on, you were going, Oh, we got to hit. I, gear up gear up yeah, yeah. And that and like that's like there was some stuff this year that i like like oh i can see this is happening and that's happening but it didn't it didn't alleviate the problems it didn't help the tension like you know you go in the cage every day and you go all right today my hands are here tomorrow all right now i'm here this doesn't feel good like when you're in the box in the cage doing stuff like you can immediately feel that it's not right i was yeah. gonna that, ask is that what fun. you guys think is the best way to fix those problems is just get in the cage and take a hundred swings and then just trial and error see what feels good see what feels right to get you locked back in what do you guys think <laughs> i mean i <laughs> stack lives in the batting cage so that's why I, I don't know i'm a pitcher so that's why there's honestly but there is no better feeling than like if you grind out one night in the cage and then you come back the next day and you get like a hit your first day b you're just like I knew it. I knew I was, I knew something was wrong, but then like, there's also something to be said of like just driving yourself nuts. And like, that is my biggest regret in my career up to this point is just like, I wish I could have gone back to high a and like, just kept that swing where like, I thought I was so fucking far off because like I was getting jammed on pitches. I should have been hammering. Like I was doing, you know, I should have been hitting this instead of that. And I'm like, bro, you were still getting hits from line to line right. and you just, overthought it you went and tried to revamp everything because right. you didn't feel good one day and even now like i'll catch myself you know just like looking at something and chasing a ghost i'm like what why, why? what are you doing like right. you know like this guy was throwing you this far off today and the up was giving it to him like and you battled and you didn't get a hit like all good roll into the next day but again you know there's a time and a place like what we've all done where you know you go into the cage standing upside down you're like hey i'm gonna this you know this drill helps me tonight like i'm gonna do it but at the end of the day like in what you guys were saying you're not that far off you're really not like i think it, i think it, sometimes the cage can hinder you right i mean I, I know for me i'd go in the cages and i'd do the same thing zach I, i'd start oh uh, you know what i gotta change everything yeah and i'm like no don't do that like as i got older and more of a veteran i'm like no no you don't need to change anything you're gonna dominate tomorrow for whatever reason it wasn't your day you're fouling off the pitch you want the guy was nasty out there like same approach same process stick to it when i was younger i'd change try to change everything standing straight up you know get a little waggle going and i would really go in the tank i'd find myself like wow not only am i now not getting hits now i have no idea what i'm doing so it's like no stick with your process process find one that works and ride the wave of uh you know what oh for four good same process tomorrow could be a four for four day uh, yeah i think it's all getting yourself back is all mental because how many times do you go and do that that cage thing where you hit all night and you get one hit the next day and you're like i'm gonna be the best player ever and then the next day you go four and you go fuck again it's all that, that's the worst is like you think you have it and then you don't and you're no, like you don't what it's, it's i think it's more about the total mental picture of like when i get in the on deck circle and when i walk to the batter's box like i'm gonna walk in there slow and with confidence and i'm gonna take my breath and i'm gonna get in the box i'm gonna have my plan and i'm gonna be super convicted that i'm the best player on the planet and like when you can play like that every single day like yeah. that plays over time 
And it's about like reinforcing that belief over and over. And yeah, sometimes there is some, you know, some mental or some physical shit, but usually it's cleaned up by like something like you said, case, like slow it down, yeah. like, slow it down. Slow it yeah. down. And, You're tense. And, and I think one thing too, is like always reiterating, Hey man, you're one pitch away from getting hot. You're one pitch away. Like, can you get it? To, can you slow down? Can you see the ball? And I always, I always thought too, I don't know what you would, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, but when I sucked, I really sucked. And I'm like, and I usually sucked out front. When I sucked, I sucked because I was, vision was, I was rushed. I was jumping. You know what I mean? I, I usually sucked out there. So I would tell myself, you know what? I'm giving this next to bat. I'm taking the first two pitches. I suck already. What does it care if he throws three down the middle? Like I'm already getting out. So I would just say, you know what? I'm taking the first two pitches. I'm going to do it really slow. I'm going to see the ball, you know, and then I'm going to battle with two strikes or whatever. But a lot of times they'd be like, oh my God, I'm 2-0. Oh my God, I'm 1-0. Yeah. And, and I just real and I'm really seeing the ball well. I would find for me, that would get me out of things. Like get jammed and see a couple pitches. But, you know, instead of, you know, sometimes it's just the easy way out is to swing at the first pitch. It's fear-based hitting. It's, 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 it's doubtful hitting. Oh man, I'm scared just don't want to strike out. So I'll just swing at the first pitch, put it in play, pop it up. And now, you know, so for me, it was like the opposite. When I, when I, to get out of a slump or to get out of a, a time when I wasn't doing well, I would say, dude, I'm getting jammed. I'm taking a couple pitches. I got to get my vision back to where it's going. Cause it's so it's anxious hitting. It's so far out front. I think that's such a good point. Like for me as a pitcher, <laughs> say I've had like a couple of rough outings in a row. It's like one good outing. You have one right. good outing and you're back. Like for a you're hitter, back, it's yeah. like, all right, you're old for your last 15. You go two for four today, right back in it. And you're that's fine. It. Like it just takes that one day where it clicks and you're like, I can still do this. Right, I'm, I'm not right, right, right. Small Peace. bites too. Small bites. Yes. Like have a good start. Exactly. Have a good couple innings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it like doesn't have to be like, out there. Yeah. If I even go out there and give up three rockets right at someone, I'm like, hey, clean yeah. inning. Take that. <laughs> clean we'll take a clean inning. Like, <laughs> exactly. Even as a hitter, I feel like you hit a ball 115 right at the right fielder. It's like, well, I hammered it. Yeah. Exactly. Got unlucky, but I hammered the ball. Yeah. And you got to, you have to frame that as a hitter. Like, you have to frame that as a positive. And like, mm -hmm. there's definitely dudes we've all played with over the years that like hit a rocket right at somebody and they're like, fuck, I suck. Right. This game is bullshit. But like, you can't do that in the big leagues. Like, in the big leagues, right. that is. A hell of a success. You hit the ball hard right at somebody, like, yep, I'm gonna do that again and again and again. I'm not gonna change anything. I'm just gonna keep doing it. Now you'd probably prefer the 70 mile an hour blooper over the second person's head, but <laughs> but you take better. the barrel when you, you can't get, get that. <laughs> Before we keep going with our friend Sean Casey, you know a pair of batting gloves that Casey would look great in? Bruce Bolts. Bruce Bolts, a family owned company. Uh, in Austin, Texas, founded by a 16-year-old. They're the batting gloves that I wear. They're the best in the game. I have a set of baby blue and a set of white and baby blue. They also have shorts, and maybe you're starting to gear up for baseball season next year. They have all different types of baseball pants, shorties. Uh, they got the long pants. They got the tight pants. They got all the pants. BruceBolt.us. Go check them out for a pair of the batting gloves that I wear in the game. BruceBolt.us. Case, you, you're one of the first people that I ever heard talk about it, and you've talked about it for, for years, and I don't think it's emphasized enough, but you always talk about seeing the baseball. You always talk about yeah. the visual part of the game and seeing the ball and like how important that is. And I think as hitters, we lose that so fast when things aren't going well. Like You take it for granted when things are going well. 
because you have to be able to see the ball to hit. Right. And when things aren't going well, you think so much about mechanics. mechanics, where my hands are, and you don't think about the mental side, but you really don't think about seeing the ball and how important that is. Like how how much of a belief is that for you? Happer, I, I really believe that I was a career 300 hitter because of that. Because like when guys would go mechanical, I'd go visual. Like instead of going mechanical, I'd no, no, I got to get my vision back right. One thing, one, one thing I, one thing I think is is crazy too, is all these teams have all these coaches, right? Analytics coaches, they have you know, two, you know, pitching coaches. Hey, I, I want to see like, hey, where's the breathing coach? Where's the vision coach? Aren't those? Because if I took Barry Bonds, who was the greatest hitter I've ever seen, and I took Barry Bonds and I, you looked at him mechanically and you said this guy has the greatest swing of all time. Right. And I put him in the batting cages and I blindfold Barry Bonds. You think he's going to be a good hitter? No, not one of those mechanics matters now because he can't see. Right. So for me and, and, and Capper, I know you do some stuff with Ryan Harrison, like Ryan Harrison's dad, Bill Harrison. I mean, I talk to him all the time because he would, he was the guy that got me out of the mechanics. I would call him up, man, I'm really struggling. I think I'm doing this. How well are you seeing the ball? Oh, I think I'm seeing it pretty good. A oh, pretty good. Or are you really seeing? Are you seeing it late? Are you seeing it cut? Are you seeing it sink? Because you guys know at that last second, you guys are the, some of the best players in the world because you're great th that last three to five feet. Well, so are those guys, man. The, 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 the guy's movement is in the last three to five feet. Like, I got to be able to see that ball make its last move. I got to see that curveball make its last dip. So am I taking? Am I swinging? You know, obviously, yes, yes, yes. I'm swinging until my eyes tell me no. I just think vision is so, so important, Happer. And I know for me, like, I, I, I like to train it. I'd like to – I used to – Bill Harrison used to come out in the offseason, and I'd hit with him. And we'd be in the cages, and, and, you know, I'd hit a rocket. And he'd be like, can you do it slower? Can you do it slower? And I'd be like, okay, let me see. Let me just see what I can get. Okay, it would come, bam, another one. Okay, can you get easier? Can you do it easier? Bam, can you give me more? Can you get it more? Let me see. Oh, my God, I, I've never been this relaxed in my life. Let me see. Am I going to fall asleep? Like, oh, and wham. So, it, but it was all, it was all a visual thing. As my, We weren't in there talking, we weren't in there talking mechanics so much. We were in there talking about your eyes and letting the ball travel and how deep can you catch it. And I just think for me, man, I, I just think that's not talked about enough in 2023 in, 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 in baseball. No, it's barely talked about at all. And like how many times have we taken and Zach, you know, Zach has high walker. He always been a dude that takes pitches and is really good at controlling the zone. How often have you taken a pitch and gone shit? That was disgusting. Like I took, I took a cutter right off the inside edge and that was nasty. And I don't know how I took it, but I saw something I saw something early with either the position of his fingers or the way that it came off, the difference in the spin, and I just shut down. And like the ability to figure out why that's happening and like how you can train that, how you can like make those decisions better, see the ball earlier, track it later. Like that stuff is so much more important than where your hands start. Like yeah. you can only do so much with the actual mechanics of the swing, but the easier and freer you are, the more snappy and whippy your barrel gets, the more juice you'll generate, and the better decisions you can make throughout the course of the season. Like the more middle middle balls you can swing at, the 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 like we're talking about centimeters is the yeah. difference between hitting it ninety two that's five steps off the track and a hundred and two that's over the fence. Like we're talking about right. centimeters, and yeah. like I think it's vision, 
and the mental side of the game is just such a big deal that it's talked about so little in big league clubhouses. Yeah. Well, because, you know, sometimes you, here's the thing. It's not sexy, bro. It ain't sexy. You'd rather tell me a million numbers, right? You'd rather tell me the, I, we could break down. All of us could break down the swing and, you know, on the mound, Dakota and stuff like that. We could break down mechanics all day. I could tell you how your toes move and your feet inside of your hips. And, hey, it ain't sexy to talk about your eyes, dude. It's not sexy to talk about uh, seeing the ball and seeing it early and seeing it late. You know, it, it's, it, it's not sexy to talk about your breath, how you get from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic nervous system. Like, how do you do that? Like, your, your brain doesn't know. You, it thinks, dude, your prehistoric brain, all of us, is, is, is meant to keep you safe. That's what it wants to do, keep you safe. You think when you get into a batter's box in front of 40,000 people with a dude on a mound with a rock in his hand and you're holding a big club, you think your body thinks you're safe? Your body thinks like, oh shit, we're in big time trouble. Let's freaking fight, 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 right? Well, you have to know that, that that's what your body's naturally doing. So you have to say to yourself, how do I get out of this state of wanting to just fight? Well, I got to take a breath. I got to slow myself down and I got to trust my eyes that when that ball shows up and it's cutting at the last second, I'm going to take that pitch or I'm ready to hammer something if it's in my zone. But if you don't do something about it, you're in trouble. I really believe that. And like, like I said, I think because it's not sexy, it's not talked about enough. But like I and said, if we, if we, if we blindfolded the best guys in the game, Aaron judge and, and, and Happer and all these guys, we, we blindfolded you guys. Guess what, man? You're now not big leaguers. You're not even. You're not even uh, college players. I I think it's because you can't measure it. Like you can't measure this stuff. Yeah. You know, we can, we can measure ground force. We can measure bat speed. We can measure exit velocities and launch angles, and we can measure everything. And it's all great, and it all does have an impact. And like it's very predictive right. Right. of you know the way guys are going to perform when you're signing players and investing in players. Like all that stuff is important because you can predict you know how over the course of the next 2000 at bats they're going to perform and that stuff's really important for the way that baseball operates but when it comes to the success of the player and getting the most out of every single player like you can't quantify it you can't say like they're working on it i'm sure they're working on it someone's working on trying There's to no figure it out but you can't quantify how good a guy is at actually picking the ball up out of the hand. You can't quantify if you're actually, when you're training it, if you're making material gains, you can look at that guy's walk rate. You can look at, you know, how hard he hits the ball and try to say, you know, maybe the vision training he did helped, but you can't actually say that that was the reason why it was right. better because there's nothing to actually measure on, right. you know, this guy's eyes are, five percent better you don't know and i think that's why it's not trained enough because we don't understand it well enough but you know i wish we would work harder on it. I, I i think the biggest thing that they'll come out with soon because it's already it's already happening like like right here i i have this i have this monitor from heart math i use it every day right you clip it on your ear you clip it on your ear right here and I go into a five-minute meditation, right, with, with this company out in California. They've been studying the heart for 30 years, how it connects to the field, all this stuff, right? And you can get your heart into heart. It's called heart coherence, right? You're, so really, they're measuring your HRV. Can you get your HRV down where it feels like, ooh, man, that feels good? And, and it shows me on the app in five minutes, like, wow, you got your heart coherence to an incredible place, right? I think the next thing, and it's, I, I guarantee it's coming soon, Albert, because you're right. They're doing something. How... Is there, can you wear one of the heart, you know, the heart um, measuring bands on your, that you would wear on your chest, you, to measure HRV, because your heart rate variability, what is your, what is your heart 
beat at when you're at your best? When 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 Zach's hitting, is his you know what? How many heart? How many beats per second or whatever is he at his best? And then we figure that out and we say, how do you get there? Okay, it's a it's a four second in, five second out. So it's a to, for for Zach to get his heart there. It's a four in, five out. Bam, and you start realizing that's the best way to get your HRV there. Now, Happer, you might be a three-second in, six-second out, get you to your HRV, which is perfect. And Dakota on the mound, your breath might be. And so when they start to measure that, we all have a different state that we hit in. I think that's going to be a humongous measurement. There's no doubt it's coming. If I have this in my house meditating and you can, you know, and there's another company called NeuroPeak or something where you measure your breath and how, how it works. That's coming for you guys. There's no doubt about it because that it's. I think it's that important. Right. I mean, that's that's probably how you figure out if a guy's tense, right? You you put that on him and you go, hey man, your your heart rate's been through the roof when you've been hitting. You know, some something's going on. In these last four at bats, you were you were four yesterday with four punches, so I got seven balls in the dirt, dude. And your HRV was 107. Like it was like you're running a marathon. What was dude. going on? There's the key to the city right there, bro. As soon as they can measure that, this hitters will go to another level. And pitchers. It's probably different too. Like, wouldn't you think some people like succeed more with a higher and some people succeed more with a lower? Like it's just different for everybody and just finding that right number. Yes. I think that's the goal. Every yeah. human being is different. So you're going to be able to figure out what makes you, what, what maybe you're a little more, maybe you need to be a little more amped up to code on the mound than mm -hmm. maybe somebody else. Maybe I need maybe maybe I need to be a little more a little slower than somebody else does. They need to be geared up a little more. That's the million dollar question. Figuring out these guys, what it, when they're at their prime vision and and when they're when they're as hot as they can be, what's their heart rate at, and how do you get it there consistently? Yeah, I agree. I think that is something that is not utilized yet. That will be. I agree. One million percent. I totally agree. That'll be, and that'll turn out to be the biggest tool for all you guys is that I think we'll be right back to finish the episode with Sean Casey. But first, what would an episode of the compound be without ERC ERC Omega accounting solutions is an official partner of Chicago Cubs and they can help you get back up to $26,000 per employee for overpayment of payroll taxes during the pandemic. If you were a business owner with five to 500 W-2 employees who continue to pay payroll taxes and employ staff during the pandemic, go to smallbizcashback.com slash cubs. That's smallbiz with a Z, cashback.com slash cubs for a free consultation. You can also call 800-643-CUBS, E-R-C, E-R-C, E-R-C. ERC. Caseman, thank you. I we you could know, go. I, I had one more we question. We could go for hours. Do you guys have any other questions? Yo, I had one more one because I was here? doing research. And when I searched Sean Casey, it said your nickname is the mayor. And I was curious as to why your nickname is the mayor. <laughs> well, um, I got that nickname when I was in the Cape Cod League in 2000. And well, no, I wasn't even 2000, man. Back in the day in 1994, I think. Summer of 94, I was the, the, the guy that's the head coach of uh, Ohio State now. Bill Moziello was my was my coach, and he was kind of a you know a hard nosed dude, you know what I mean. And I was kind of coming in like, "Hey, what's going on?" You know, everybody <laughs> saying hi to everybody coming. He's like talking to guys at first, and he's like, "Man, he's like, 
Dude, he's like, you talk to everybody, man. He's like, he's like, looks like you're like lobbying for votes. Like you're like the mayor. <laughs> Look like you're like running for mayor or something, lobbying for votes. And and for whatever reason, like it, you know, a couple guys that he was the assistant coach, I think, at, at Tennessee at the time. And and then, you know, we kept a relationship. And then for one night I heard it on uh, it was on ESPN, Carl Ravitch. I hit a ball in the gap and I was going to second base. He's like, oh, there's a shot by Sean Casey. They call this guy the mayor. And I remember hearing that on national television. And then it kind of stuck. But it started in the Cape Cod League for my coach. I don't think he liked that I talked to everybody, but I'm like, Dude, I, this is who I am. I, yeah. As long as I'm raking, who gives a shit? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably a backhand compliment. He's like, this guy doesn't shut up. He's totally, <laughs> totally, dude. He's like, dude, shut up. I'm like, no, I'm not shutting up. <laughs> yeah. Him. There's there's some great stories about when guys would get to first base. He'd be like, yeah, man, nice swing. The pitcher would over and be like, shut up, Case. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I got one story. When I first got to the big leagues. Um, you, I don't know if you guys remember guy's name was Henry Rodriguez. He played for the Montreal Expos, he used to hit bombs. And in Montreal, whenever he hit bombs, they'd throw these oh Henry bars. You know, the oh Henry bars, they'd freaking, they'd have to like pause the game, like 85,000 oh Henry bars are on the field. He's <laughs> getting them off the turf, you know? <clears throat> so I had just been called up. It was like my third, I was at the, up in the biggest of three weeks. And at that time, I was thinking, I'm tricking these guys. Like, I'm going to be sent down here soon. Like I'm going to try and get as many. I, I collected so many balls that at that time. Cause I'd be like, Hey, I'm holding guys on. You send a ball over real quick, you know? Cause I was like, I'm going to be out of here soon. I at least want to get some autographs. So I remember Henry Rodriguez gets a hit. We're playing in Cincinnati. Ron Ballone's on the mound. It was a lefty back then, the big rig yeah. lefty. And I, and I didn't know these guys cause I had just been called up. Right. So big rigs on the mound. Henry, Henry Rodriguez gets on with a single <clears throat> and he's getting his lead. And I start talking to him like, hey, man, I was like, so cool, dude, in Montreal when you homer, they throw those old Henry bars on the, on the, on the field. And, and right when I said to him, he turns to me, he's like, hey, thanks, man. Right when he turns to me, big rig, step off, pick, I catch it. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such an asshole. I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. Like, I had no idea this was going to happen. I tag him out. He looked at me like, are you serious, dude? I'm like, oh, my God. So that was the only time I really distracted somebody at first base and picked him off. My third week in the big leagues, I – I got uh I got Henry Rodriguez on the O Henry story. That's hilarious. We uh Ron Valone's the pitching coach for the Iowa Cubs. Me and Zach, oh, is he really? And he, yeah, we all had him. He's the man. Yeah, oh, dude, Big coach. Rig's the best, dude. Tell him, awesome. tell him I said hello if you talk to him, man. He's the best. He's the man. Yeah, he is a beauty. Dude, he knowing was nasty. Him, he, like, so much case. Yeah, he, play, he also played football at Massachusetts, so he was like yeah. one of those guys you don't want to mess with. You're like no, Big Rig. He's, uh, he's got he's, a little little screw loose in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to <laughs> listen. Don't fight Big Rig. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he's in the weight room. He's in the weight room every morning. You can't get him he, out of there. He's there at six a.m. in spring training. Like he's there. People are walking in. And he's getting done with his workout. It's like, what's going on here? Ah, dude, it's in a, that's in so him. He's, he's a maniac. He's a maniac. Appreciate it, Case. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Oh, yeah, fellas, I appreciate it. it. Love, Thank love you. your show. Love what you guys are doing, and uh, you know, uh, I really appreciate having me on. And good luck to you guys, man. Have a great off season. I'll see you guys soon. Thank yeah. you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Appreciate yeah. it, Case. Thanks, guys. That was awesome having Case on. Been talking about having him on for a long time. I knew he would be spectacular. He was spectacular. Uh, Tom put in the group chat during that episode. Casey's second half in the 2000 season, 372, 431, 661, good for a 1.092 FIP. 
15 homers, 21 doubles, and 62 RBIs in 67 games. 90 hits in 67 games. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's he, every every time you come up to the plate, it's a hit. I mean, that's almost two a game. That's what I don't I'm think saying. He like, was I don't think he was exaggerating, like, on his first half to second half difference. Because he was saying, he's like, yeah, I was hitting, like, 160 at the break. He's like, then I hit, like, 37. And, like, they see the stats. I'm like, yeah, that uh, that checks out. Nope, that's accurate. That is what he did. That <laughs> is that is ridiculous. He's one of the best storytellers of all time. He has just like so many big league moments like that of like figuring it out, and he recounts them so well. It's so awesome to hear him just talk hitting. I could I could talk hitting with him for hours on end. That that's such an interesting aspect that he brings of like, you know, you hear people all the time, like, oh, you look tense, but, like, going into detail about it and, like, how much it honestly means to him. Because, like, you don't really hear a lot of people talk about it. Like, you'll breeze over it, like, oh, man, take a deep breath. And it's like, yeah, no, no fucking shit. Like, yeah, I'm going to take a deep breath. But, like, actually being, like, tense free in the box and, like, being as free as you can in general, like, it just goes so far. And, like, everyone's like, oh, like, you know, when you're, when you're hot, like, what are you thinking about? And it's like nothing, obviously because I'm hot, but like the more that you can kind of get in that, that flow state almost is like, it's, that's like peak performance. It's like the goal that it, it's hard in baseball. I was actually having this conversation the other day, you know, you hear all like the Kobe stories and the guy like quarterbacks, like, yeah, they're just in the zone. Like they're in the flow state. Like they have so much control over the game, but like as a hitter, it's hard. Like you feel good. And like, you're not going to hit again for like 30 or 45 minutes. And even at that, like you can get pitched like a bastard and you have no control over it. But like the more that you can just kind of be free and just move within your own body and not being tense, like it goes such a long way. I think it's so hard to do though. And so hard to, to even get close to that state. But I think the more that you talk about it and actually try it, I think that's, it's very interesting aspect part of the game. You guys want to do the screen time? Sure, man. Presented it's your by world. friends at it's your Sloan. world. We're living in it, man. We'll do screen time if you want to. Sloan, the world's leading manufacturer in commercial plumbing systems, the company's at the forefront of the green building movement and provides smart, sustainable, and hygienic restroom solutions by manufacturing water efficient products, including flushometers, faucet sink systems, soap dispensers. And fixtures for commercial, industrial, and institutional markets worldwide. To learn more, visit Sloan.com. We're doing today's screen time. That is two days screen time. I'm having a little bit of trouble. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was, but I wasn't updating, but now it's updated. So I'm not having trouble. Who's doing screen time? Come on. Here we go. We're doing today's. Today's 242. 4-6. Tom. That was a good effort. Ian. 221. 221 <laughs> for me. Wait, what was mine? 240. No way you beat me. You're so full Sorry, of man. shit. Sorry. You're so full of shit. I oh, I can't find it. I can't uh, let me just come up with it. 221. I win. It's gross, really. It's gross. Unbelievable. All right. I guess that's episode 185 of the Compound Podcast, presented by Parse Rum. Rum. When I say Parse, you say... Rum. Rum. Nah. Rum.
from. See you next week. Bye.